Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science meets practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hunken Sustainability Unwrapped podcast. In today's episode, we are delving into the fascinating world of fashion. We are exploring the fashion industry from the perspective of sustainability and intellectual property. My name is Heidi Herkonen and I'm going to be your hostess for today. First, a few words about my background and my background regarding sustainability, fashion and IP. I am a lawyer and doctoral researcher at University of Lapland and my research focus is on the optimal intellectual property environment for the fashion industry, especially from the sustainability perspective. In today's we have a guest in the studio. We have Annarina Ruokamo and Annarina is a true fashion and sustainability expert. Annarina is a clothing designer with the expertise of sustainable design strategies and sustainable issues of the fashion industry. Welcome, Annarina. Thank you, Heidi. Now, first, Annarina, um, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, your education and occupation, perhaps also a few words about your your work history, you have done some very interesting and remarkable job when it comes to a certain Finnish brand's sustainability issues. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah, I've studied uh, clothing design and graduated from uh, University of Lapland. I'm a Master of Arts and uh, currently I'm working as a research and uh, development and innovation specialist in the Lab University of Applied Sciences in the Institute of Uh, design and fine arts. Um, I'm working in several projects dealing with circular economy and circular design. Uh, for example, in Kisu project, we are researching uh, recyclability and uh, also I work in Telaketju project where we are aiming to build um, business through circular economy of textiles. And uh, also I do part-time teaching in Lab University Applied Sciences and I have taught sustainable design and sustainable fashion for four years now. Um, before uh, going to the RDI world, I have a five-year experience uh, working in Finnish clothing brands such as Ivana Helsinki where I worked as a designer a few years back. And before uh, starting in Lab University of Applied Sciences, I actually worked as a sustainability advisor in Papu, which is a Finnish uh, clothing company. And I actually had a big role in there uh, when we were uh, starting the sustainability reporting of Papu. And we succeeded quite well in uh, this rank brand uh, comparison. Uh, in the years uh, 2019 and also in this year 2020. Yeah, and in 2019 you were actually the best 
of Finnish brands <laughs> in this yeah. manga brand yeah. competition. We succeeded or very, very well at the time. Yeah, yeah really good work. Uh, wow, that was um, really nice to hear. You have an exciting work and educational history. Um, in today's podcast, um, our intention is to talk about sustainability in the fashion industry and involve some intellectual property law perspective there also. Well, you might wonder as a listener, um, what has sustainability got to do with intellectual property law, especially in the context of the fashion industry? And I thought that I could, as a legal expert, briefly introduce this background first. Well, as you know, um, fashion is a very IPR-intensive industry. Fashion deals with plenty of creativity, but also it is notorious for copying, imitation and counterfeit problems. Historically, the global fashion industry has had to operate in a low IP environment when it comes to protection of fashion designs, especially when we are talking about copyright terms. Also, fashion is one of the most polluting industries globally, mostly thanks to the fast fashion phenomenon. Fast fashion brands produce extremely high volumes of trendy garments and then they sell them for consumers for incredibly low prices. Of course, when the prices of fashion um, items are very low, someone has to pay a high price for this cheap fashion. And that someone is both garment workers in developing countries and also the environment. Fast fashion actually has benefited from the low IP environment of the fashion industry. Rather than creating anything new or original designs themselves, fast fashion companies have a tendency to copy others, such as high fashion brands or indie designers. Legally, it has been a rather risk-free activity to knock off designs of others and make cheap, low-quality copies of them. And this way, the low IP environment has played a role in the fashion industry's race to the bottom when it comes to sustainability. Now, I have researched fashion from a legal perspective for almost eight years now, And I dare to say that it is virtually impossible to explore the fashion industry this day and age without considering its sustainable development, at least in some level. And especially now in the era of fast fashion, it is increasingly important that we have fashion brands and designers who are trying to change the way things are. And that is why we need experts such as Anna Arena, who know how to include sustainability in the de- creative process, in the designing process already from the beginning. Now, today's podcast episode is divided to three parts. First, we are going to talk about environmental sustainability. Then we are going to switch talking up to talking about uh, human rights from the sustainability perspective and then finally we are going to discuss about how all of this affects a fashion brand 
what has sustainability got to do with the brand image of fashion? And as we know, brand of a fashion company is perhaps its most valuable intellectual property asset. So let's begin our first theme, environmental sustainability in fashion designing. As Anna-Rina introduced herself, she has now been working within the fashion industry for more than 10 years already. And now you are teaching sustainable designing yourself for future fashion designers. I want to ask you, Anna-Rina, have you noticed a change during these years when it comes to how the fashion world and designer education sees sustainability and its importance? Uh, yeah, definitely. I would even say that the change is remarkable and I, I can only wish that I would have had such courses about sustainability when I started to study in 2009. Uh, for example, at lab, uh, sustainability is the starting point in every design task that I'm giving to my students. And uh, when I started out my, with my stu- studies, I actually had only one course dealing with sustain- sustainable development, and that's it. So the change is real, uh, uh, thank God. <laughs> and uh, actually, most of the knowledge and expertise I have gained during my career is uh, by educating myself. So um, it was uh, in the beginning of my studies when I started to questioning questioning this industry, and I was struggling with the fact that um, actually I, my future job will be designing new items to the world that only uh, already then was drowning into textile waste. So um, that kind of started my journey towards sustainability, and uh, I started to find out alternative ways to work in this complex industry. And luckily, I have found those ways as well. And uh, uh, I need to say that the atmosphere has changed totally within the whole fashion industry. Uh, I wouldn't consider sustainability as a trend because it is more like a long-term commitment. But still, uh, I uh, every sector in this industry are now nowadays aware of sustainability somehow. And uh, that is do- totally different uh, today as it was in in uh, ten years ago. But unfortunately, this doesn't guarantee that the that the industry works in sustainability sustainable ways. So we have a lot of work still uh, ahead. Wow, that's really interesting. And actually, I have a similar experience. Before going to law school, I actually studied fashion designing in the same program where Anna Anna graduated from, so University of Lapland, Faculty of Arts and Design. But, well, I only studied one year and I never got any kind of a degree from there. But, well, I can't remember that 2007-2008 there would have been really any talk about sustainability. And, well, I didn't consider sustainability issues myself back then either. Mm. So it's really good to hear that this is changing in the education. 
how about after education, when a fashion designer is already working in the industry? In what kind of concrete ways can an individual designer take sustainability into account in their designing process? And what are the key challenges related to this? I would say that the most important thing is uh, for a designer is the designing for real need. And uh, that is already a paradox since this industry doesn't work like that at the moment. Uh, we are first designing, uh, then producing and selling these garments uh, through careful marketing. And uh, actually we are rather talking about desire than real needs. And um, we don't need that much stuff, but we desire a lot. And that is the key challenge that we should tackle uh, as designers and also as consumers, I would say. And uh, But of course, there are many practical ways for uh, sustainable designing. And um, we can start, for example, from the material selection. We need to compare uh, different options and uh, find the material that is at the same time um, durable, long-lasting, um, has a, as low environmental impacts as possible, uh, doesn't harm the animals, the people during its processes. And then uh, finally, uh, it ideally, it could be also reused, remanufactured or recycled after its first use. So there are a lot of aspects that the designer needs to take on and that is only about the materials choice. Of course, when we are talking about the garments, we have a lot of other aspects as well. But um, I need to disappoint you with the fact that uh, this uh, doesn't ha happen like in general in the industry at the, at the moment. Like uh, we really need to focus on um, sustainable and circular design. Uh, both are important in the in they are important already now, but they should be more important in the future as well. Hmm. Real needs versus fake needs. Yes. Yeah, the fashion industry really um, makes us believe that we have needs that we actually do not have. People don't need so much, so many garments. I also remember when I studied fashion designing that one topic that we discussed in classes was how to get old people to buy new garments. The challenge was that Finnish old people wear their old clothes from the 1980s, for instance, and they don't buy new things. That was treated as a challenge, but now that I think of it, why would they need to buy new clothes? If they don't feel like they need them, why would we or why would the fashion industry need to make them believe that they need new garments? Exactly. And I, I feel like uh, definitely in this industry, we should focus on finding new business models uh, because like buying isn't sustainable. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's not um, recycling, repairing, borrowing, things like that. They are way more sustainable. Um, let's move to the topic of intellectual property rights a bit. Now, we've been talking about fashion education I want to ask you, are um, intellectual property rights currently thought to fashion design students nowadays? And did you 
for example, receive any IPR education when you were studying fashion designing? I remember that I didn't, but how about you? Uh, I remember that I've had some maybe few hour session about IPR in product design during my studies, maybe in the second second uh, grade or something, but um, that's it. Like uh, we didn't have that and we uh, we weren't discussing about it uh, like at all, I would mm-hmm. say. And uh, I assume that nowadays, nowadays it isn't uh, different. Um, I think it isn't taught to students nowadays either. Do you remember if you talked about, for instance, copyright or design rights or trademark rights? For instance, did you discuss about this um, problematic situation that the fashion designs have in the copyright context that they are not necessarily always protected by copyright because of the high threshold of originality? I don't remember like much about it. Like I just remember that we had this uh, some kind of session, but maybe like uh, like the end. Like the um, I feel like it is just like very hard to understand mm-hmm. like all these copyright issues and everything. And I, I think that these are something that we dis- as designers we don't even know like what are our rights. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, that actually leads me to my next question. I wanted to ask you, do you know if young fashion designers or fashion design students even know about their intellectual property rights when it comes to their creative work? And if they do, are they willing to enforce these rights against someone who copies them? Yeah, I would say that they don't know their rights and uh, to be honest I don't know them either like Mm -hmm. uh, as I said the whole world of IPR in fashion it it seems to be very complex complex and um, I I feel like designers are also um, a bit insecure in that area too and uh, also that if they would face some kind of copying for uh, for example I would say that they don't maybe have courage or enough knowledge to mm-hmm. to know how to act in in such a case. Like uh, it's just very hard for us designers to understand, and we don't talk about it uh, enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that sounds yeah very very likely. I mean, even for lawyers and researchers the IP environment in the fashion industry is extremely complex. It's co- very complex to me even. And I mean, I've been researching that for, <laughs> for five years now. Uh, no, way more. Well, anyway, and then I've also, I've heard um, or I've read research that uh, states that there are some kind of um, social norms in the fashion industry that prevent, for instance, young um, startup designers from suing, for instance, big fashion companies, even if they notice that they have been copying them, that it's just not socially acceptable to take legal measures against uh, big corporations if you are a small individual fashion label who's just starting. 
Yeah, I I believe, and I I actually have the same image about it. Mm-hmm. Now, this whole question of copying and copyright infringement, IP infringement in fashion industry, it's it is a rather complex set of issues. Um, when it comes to copying, what are your thoughts about the distinction or the line between? imitation so like real copying and inspiration and by inspiration i mean you know being just inspired by another designer's work instead of copying it as we know trends work in a way that uh, different designers might have similar looking items in their in their um, collections at the same time But, so it might be difficult to distinguish whether it's imitation or or just innovation. So how about you, Anna-Rina? Do you think it's easy or difficult to draw a line between these two actions? Um, I find this question very t- tricky because in the fashion in- industry, uh, this inspiration happens a lot. And uh, in the era of uh, social media and especially Uh, Pinterest, <laughs> to be more exact, uh, there is a very thin line between uh, inspiration and imitation. And I would say that many designers don't even know if they are uh, like inspiring about something or just uh, like uh, doing imitation. And um, maybe they have like hard time um, recognizing the difference in those two. Um, But my experience is that in the fashion industry, uh, imitation happens all the time. And uh, it might be just copying the design straight from the picture, Mm -hmm. or it might happen also by just creating some kind of uh, pattern and copying it straight from the ready-made garment. And uh, that is not only something that fast fashion houses do. And I would say that also um, some smaller brands can Uh, do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've um, yeah I've heard about similar issues, and well, I've also heard about this phenomenon that if you are a like an independent fashion designer and you're applying for a job for a big from a big fashion company, or you know try to get a position as a freelance designer and then you're showing your portfolio and mm. then it turns out that actually you don't get the job but then your designs from your portfolio are being ripped off so they are being copied by this company where you apply for yeah i've heard uh, such cases as well and it's very unfortunate mm-hmm. for designers like uh, and uh, like uh, i think we should definitely Uh, find ways how to like uh, get rid of that kind of system because uh, like uh, that leads to the point where designers won't show their work like when applying for jobs for example yeah exactly I mean then you would need to um, keep your portfolio as your personal trade secret yes yes exactly because there's a danger that someone will steal its content of course what makes all of this very difficult, um, especially in the global context, is that we have big market areas such as the United States where, in principle, fashion designs 
cannot be protected by copyright because they are used for articles, so their fashion designs can be more freely copied, whereas in the European Union context, we are moving towards unity of art, which means that fashion designs can also be protected by copyright law. That, of course, makes it legally rather risky to copy fashion designs, but as we just discussed, there might be some problems when it comes to enforcements, especially uh, young starting fashion designers. They might not have the financial resources or, or the courage to enforce their rights. Now, let's move a bit to the theme of sustainability from human rights perspective. What makes fashion, and especially fast fashion, so dangerous from the human rights perspective is that global garment production is often outsourced to developing countries. And in these developing countries, labor laws are not that strong. The minimum wage doesn't cover basic costs of living, so it's not a living wage. Working conditions are poor and workers are not allowed to unionize, to name a few problems. We have heard about these grave labor uh, catastrophes, such as the collapse of the Rana Plaza building. And, well, it seems that it is almost taken for granted that garments sort of have to be manufactured overseas in countries where the cost of labor is low. Also, it appears to me that consumers nowadays, they are not so willing to pay the price of um, Western labor or labor that just actually gets a living wage. Um, There's a race to the bottom among certain fashion companies. Anna-Rena, are there any alternative ways of garment manufacturing? And in your opinion, are Finnish brands willing to pay enough attention on the sustainability when it comes to manufacturing process? Well, yes, um, there are alternative ways for uh, garment manufacturing, but uh, those alternatives aren't usually uh, such resource efficient as as producing our garments overseas. Those alternatives could be like, for example, local production. Uh, But um, that is the biggest thing leading the industry processes because, uh, for for example, the fast fashion uh, giants, they just aim for big volumes as cheap as possible. But then when we are talking about finished, maybe smaller brands, um, they have more options because usually they don't aim for uh, big volumes. They rather um, uh, prefer good quality, long-term partnerships, and uh, also the transparency of the supply supply chain. Uh, that is more likely uh, more important to the small smaller brands than they are for big fashion giants. And uh, yeah, so they have kind of like uh, options, but of course, like we are still talking about um, very complex and complicated supply chains, very long 
supply chains in the fashion industry. Hmm. Also, one challenge that comes to my mind is, well, I, I talked to a CEO of a Finnish um, fashion brand that manufactures uh, bags and other leather goods. And she told me that they actually wanted to manufacture their products in Finland. But they faced the problem that there just wasn't a factory in Finland that was able to do what they wanted to manufacture. So there just wasn't resources for it. I also found that that quite interesting that that just it it's not always possible to manufacture in Finland even though a brand would want to. Yeah, it is uh, like uh, the situation is like that and it's like uh, it doesn't consider all, only the accessories. It is uh, for the garments as mm-hmm. well. Like we don't have uh, fa- factories that have like the capacity of uh, like producing such amounts of uh, garments that we need. Even though the like uh, the volumes are very that, like so much lower than with the big fashion giants, then uh, still like we don't have uh, like factories for for example middle-sized companies mm-hmm. needs right um, well is it possible for an individual designer or a, a small fashion label to make manufacturing of garments more fair so that there wouldn't be a risk risks of exploitation or at least not as high risks of exploitation. Is it even possible this day and age? Well, uh, the most effective ways uh, for transparency and transparent supply chain is to keep it uh, as short and uh, as simple as possible. But how to do that, I don't actually know, because uh, even even if we would have a brand that is manufacturing the, their garments in Finland, for example, uh, for example, cotton garments, uh, then the fabrics is are coming always elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, cotton fabric might uh, be produced in Italy, for example. But then uh, when we then we need to go back to the yarn and fiber production that might happen elsewhere. And then when we are talking about the origin of the cotton that is harvested and collected, uh, most likely from the other side of the globe, mm-hmm. then we have such a like long Uh, supply chain even though the brand is manufacturing in Finland so uh, that is like uh, the real problem in this industry and I don't know how to tackle it but uh, luckily we have some uh, bright future options here in Finland as well because maybe in the near future we can actually collect our old clothes then uh, recycle and uh, remanufacture them into new Um, new uh, garments and maybe this can be done locally like totally locally so uh, of course in this case we wouldn't know the origin of the first garment but mm-hmm. then we would need uh, really uh, know the origin like the whole process of the recycled garments so maybe that is our future in the Finland in Finland as well
Yeah, that would be true circular economy also. Mm-hmm. And while you mentioned cotton, that indeed is a very tricky question. Cotton has, it even has this this uh, brand of a eco-friendly fiber because it's a natural fiber. And for instance, in the in the early 90s, the fashion industry exploited this image of cotton as an eco-friendly fiber in this uh, eco-chic fashion trend that was popular in the 90s. It involved natural fibers and this natural look, but that was a marketing trick only. The garments were still made rather unethically and, well, cotton, it it um, the manufacturing of cotton, it requires massive amounts of water and also farmland that could be used for for um, food production um, but it's not so uh, yeah it, uh, cotton is it's a very tricky fiber also nowadays uh, the fashion media has talked a lot about cotton that originates from Xinjiang, China, where forced labor of the Uyghur minority is used. And virtually, well, I mean, it has been estimated that virtually every fashion brand almost in the world is somehow connected to um, to cotton that comes from Uyghur areas and uh, forced labor of Uyghurs. Now, Let's move to our third topic, which is sustainability and its effect on the value of a fashion brand. Well, in today's world, uh, where we talk a lot about fashion and sustainability, it is of course an asset for a company if it, if it can declare that it is sustainable. However, the word sustainable itself, it doesn't really mean anything and it is often used in a very misleading way. A phenomenon called greenwashing refers to a brand that is pretending to be more sustainable than it is by, uh, for example, using sustainability-related terms in its marketing. One example of greenwashing is a fast fashion brand that sometimes introduces these so-called sustainable collections that are made of so-called eco-friendly materials, such as recycled polyester or organic cotton. However, as long as a fashion, fast fashion brand continues to produce as many collections per year as it does, and now we are talking about dozens of collections per year with weekly or even daily refreshments, it is not, it cannot be sustainable. It's just impossible. Hence, for a brand like this to claim that they care about sustainability because they have one sustainable organic cotton collection every year is pure misleading of consumers. Um, For example, the Norwegian Consumer Authority declared that the fast fashion giant H&M is making false claims that 
play on environment, environmental emotions of consumers. And this consumer authority in Norway concluded that H&M's conscious collection advertising is misleading and that it actually violates Norway's marketing laws. Anna-Rina, what are your thoughts about this greenwashing phenomenon, especially considering that you have worked for brands that actually take sustainability very seriously? I would say that it is a very unfortunate phenomenon, uh, especially because it happens so much. But also, uh, for my opinion, uh, no one benefits from it. Uh, nor the, not the consumers and nor the brands. And uh, also when talking about sustainability as a word, it is very uh, like a misleading word itself, since uh, it may uh, mean different things to different people. So actually we are using the natural resources uh, in everything we do. How can we even claim that to be sustainable at all? So, of course, like uh, when we are talking about greenwashing, there might happen also some kind of like uh, un- un- unintentional greenwashing as well, because maybe like all the brands doesn't really um, know, know the, like uh, the real sustainable um, actions, how to, how, to, how to talk about it, for example. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, telling customers about sustainability policies is often called transparency. And transparency is increasingly important nowadays since customers very often want to know about the ethics of brands. Um, Anna-Rina, since you have this work experience related to uh, Papu and Ivana Helsinki in this matter, Um, I want to ask you, how can a brand, um, especially a smaller brand, be transparent and signal sustainability to its consumers? And what are the important factors to consider? Um, When marketing with sustainability claims, the brand should always um, prove their claims right if all the brands are telling they are sustainable how can the consumers know which brand is sustainable and which one is not and of course like i know that everybody wants to be sustainable but even even from a brand's point of view it is too big risk uh, to take uh, with the false uh, sustainability claims and then uh, they might be exposed in the future but uh What we need are the real indicators uh, how to measure sustainability. Because as I said, uh, uh, sustainability can mean different things to different people. And uh, as we don't have like general indicators for sustainability at the moment, then branch, branch should still have something like uh, something how to some evidence of the sustainability work that that they are doing and uh, they should definitely uh, talk about sustainability in like the most transparent way as possible Uh, so basically it means that you should tell everyone and if you don't know something then you should find out like Mm -hmm. uh, if you if there are some points in your um, supply chain that you don't know find out and tell it to your customers. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, it's just like um, also what we should uh, think about that we are like taking uh, already like more from the nature that can we that we can ever give back. Uh, what brands should really talk about like, or, and think about uh, that how could they change the ma- this mindset like um, could the brands could the pa- brands um, uh, create whole new business models uh, like uh, like um, for example like uh, so that everything doesn't need to be like we are just selling as much stuff as possible so that is the real sustainability in my opinion that you are actually recreating your brand mm-hmm. to be more sustainable yeah i i agree and this is especially important in the fast fashion context and when it comes to these fast fashion companies that um, claim that they care about sustainability if they honestly did if if they honestly would claim about uh, care about sustainability they wouldn't be fast fashion brands they would reinvent their business strategy completely sometimes um you read these news about brands who are failing to be open about their sustainability policy and the measures that they in order the measures that they take in order to protect the environment and not to violate human rights. This causes quite a lot of bad will. Um, for example, Eetis Ranke Brand survey in 2019 and 2020 has shown that not all Finnish fashion brands care about sustainability that much. Now I'm not gonna name and shame here any of those brands who did not do well in this service, but I am saying that as a consumer, I will never forget which brands got the lowest source scores in this service. Hence, ignoring sustainability and transparency might have damaging effects for the brand's reputations and consumers. Well. They don't forget if your brand's reputation is ruined, especially if you give false promises about sustainability. Anna-Rina, what are your thoughts about this? What kind of effects can sustainability or the lack of sustainability have on a brand's image? Well, Etis Ranker brand really has shown the power of sustainability reporting as a marketing tool as well, because like uh, we always need to remember that this uh, survey was done by um, uh, researching uh, companies' uh, sustainability claims and sustainability mm-hmm. reporting, and uh, at like um, in fact uh, when. Eti was ranking Papu at the first time. Papu got the uh, like lowest scores in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then Eti gave us time to like uh, update the information to our website, and then Papu got the like the most highest uh, scores compared mm-hmm. the other to to the other Finnish brands that were in the comparison as well. So it was more about that um, we didn't 
uh, change anything in our actions uh, in Papu mm-hmm. during that uh, survey, but we just updated the information. And that was a good lesson for us uh, as a company to to real like realize that yes you definitely need to have those indicators and mm-hmm. those some kind of evidence how to prove your sustainability claims and that was the different difference that uh, Papu succeeded to, succeeded to do in that comparison but of course uh, this um, ranker brand method isn't the flawless tool um, but I th- I really think that it has given very good uh, like basic guidelines for companies to start their sustain- sustainability reporting, and uh, as we can like compare the results during like uh, from 2019 and 2020, uh, many brands uh, really improved yeah. their uh, like. Um, uh, scores in this in this survey. There was significant improving yes. when it came to almost every brand. Well, then there was this one brand who didn't <laughs> report anything in t- 2019 or 2020 and uh, was the worst brand yes. in this survey. That's and that is a shame because, <laughs> because really I shame. I believe that there is still something good that they mm-hmm. do, do. And if they don't, they should really like uh, start looking their business in a yeah. new way and uh, like check out their strategy. But uh, in general, brands should definitely see sustainability as a competitional advantage, advantage rather than just a loss of time and money. Because like, uh, and you can like uh, really find new ways to cre- like uh, recreate your business models uh, for example like uh, in the project Kisu we have been working with few brands that have been creating total new, new business models mm-hmm. um, that really follow the principles for example uh, of uh, circular economy and we need these kind of forerunners to the fashion industry and uh, to the Finnish fashion industry as well and uh, actually, I really do think that uh, we should um, really do good for the bl- planet, people and animals. We d- we are now focusing more like doing not like uh, doing less harm. Mm-hmm. But what we should do is like, uh, how could we actually give more than we take? I couldn't agree more with you. And well, we concluded that in this Ranker Brand survey, 2019, most brands, they were not doing so well. But 2020, there was so much improvement. So brands, they really, uh, they can improve in this matter. And I would like to ask you, if a brand that has not really cared about sustainability before uh, would now like to change its habits, what would be the first steps to take and how could this brand that wants to become more sustainable improve its brand image in this matter? At first, uh, you should really understand sustainability and believe in it. Um, one designer or one employee in a company doesn't make a difference uh, unless everybody is committed to this uh, common agenda. And uh, uh, in companies, sustainability is starting from the company leaders. And uh, it is not just something that you can clue on the ready-made products. And um, 
that is the whole starting point to be sustainable. And uh, in such companies where sustainability has never been the key point, the company really needs to reset and uh, recreate the new uh, strategy to follow. After that is done, then we can talk about the brand image and marketing, because uh, sustainability is all about real values facing true actions, and it cannot be faked. Hmm. Very, very fascinating, interesting thoughts. Um, a lot of food for the brain. I think it's time to wrap up our very interesting discussion about fashion and sustainability and IP. Now, listening to you talk, Annarina, I started thinking that sustainability is truly a an intangible asset for the brand. Genuine sustainability measures are sort of intellectual property of a fashion brand. It's something that can be utilized in marketing, for instance, and, well, to to improve the brand value. Thank you so much for coming, Annarina, and sharing your expertise and insight with me and with the podcast listeners. I am very happy that you're educating a future generation of fashion designers in Finland. And I am sure that they are in good hands and will make a difference and make the future of fashion more sustainable. Thank you, Anna-Rina. Thank you for having me, Heidi.